0: Good morning, everyone. Very good. Thank you. I probably caught you guys off guard. Um, if you don't know who I am, I'm, I'm Michael Longfellow, associate pastor. I know we are getting things back into the swing of things because school is kicking off. Uh, so I, I need to just say a couple of things before we get into our text. Uh, that, that was Mitch. He was praying today. And as he said in his, uh, in his prayer today, um, two years ago, he came to, he came to know Christ. And um, it's just a beautiful story of him and his wife um, coming and dedicating their lives to Jesus and the transformation that I've seen and other people have seen as well. Uh, but the, the cool thing is, there's about a month ago, uh, Mac and Mitch and I were out there uh, just, um, I don't know, we were fishing. We were trying to fish. And, uh, you know, Mac loves to fish. I think it's a waste of time. Uh, I know it's probably a sin to say that in Wyoming, but I don't care. It's kind of boring unless... You know, you got dynamite and something like that. Uh, But we were talking about how being accountable to each other and and pushing each other and really just challenging each other in the faith. And as we were talking about this, we were challenging each other, and I I asked Mitch if he would pray uh, in front of the church. Uh, I said, you know, hey, if you want to be challenged, this is a way that I'm going to challenge you to stand up in front of 200, 250 people and pray. And uh, he said, yeah, I'll do it. And I just want to say, Mitch, thank you for doing that. Um, because as a new believer coming into the faith and growing, you, sometimes you don't understand how hard it is to get up in front of people and pray. So that's the most intimidating thing sometimes we can do. But it's also the most wholesome and the most intimate thing we can do as well, is pray in front of people, but also pray for people right there with one another So I want to challenge you that if you would ever want to step out in faith and you want to pray for our services, just let me know after service and I would love to just just to talk to you and get more people involved in the prayer session here at Ordinary Faith um okay one thing is before we start another little side note tomorrow is school for um sweetwater county number one i don't know when green river starts also homeschooling will be starting soon too so what i would like to do if you would if you are a student starting school tomorrow or if you are a teacher starting school would you guys just stand i want to pray for you guys okay, i'm not going to call you guys out i'm not going to make you pray uh, maybe i should do that um but I just want to let everyone, our congregation, to look around if you're homeschooling. It's starting, school, starting soon, too. Um, you know, I wanted to let you know, as a congregation, we have your guys' back. We are praying for you guys. We are praying for the teachers. We are praying for your students that you will be the light of the world, that you will be the salt of the world and that you will change your sphere of influence with the people you hang out with and the people that you come in contact with on a daily basis, okay? So let's go ahead and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for this group of people, these students and these teachers, God. Lord, everyone who is older than them have been at their position at one point or another. We know, Lord, the anxiety, we know the stress, we know how it is to go to that first day of school and, and wonder what's going to be different and how, how people are going to be accepting. And Lord, I pray just through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you touch each person here. Lord, as the students, as they do not uh, adhere to pure pressure, but they stand strong and they stand fast in their faith for you, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that they will be the light and the salt of the world, that people will know that they are different because they have that relationship with you, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you, they will not, not be scared, but they will be courageous and fearless for you, Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray for the teachers, God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will give them wisdom, that you will give them insight to be able to speak life into their students, to speak life into other teachers, to let them know what they are doing as a worthwhile career, a worthwhile adventure in you, Lord. Lord, I pray, I pray, God, that this will be a blessed time for Sweetwater County, for Green River, and our homeschoolers, and and throughout our nation, God, that this group of people will be raised up into an army, Lord, to fight for the spiritual causes, for fight for morality, to fight for what is right and for what is wrong. And Lord, I pray that you empower each person here today, and we pray this in Jesus' holy and his powerful name. Amen. Amen. No, I'm not shaking your hand. All right. So Leonard thinks I'm shaking his hand. I'm not. So just to let you guys know. Uh, I know when I preach, I sometimes get fast. Sometimes I talk really quick, and some people have commented about that. Um, and I'm I'm sorry. It's just when I get excited, I like to talk faster, and I only have 45 minutes to be able to get my sermon done. So you just have to keep up with me, okay? So this is very important. So if you can't keep up, then you just need to listen to the sermon once again. Uh, and then you can say, man, that Michael Longfellow guy, he speaks way too fast. And I will, what would you say? We'll slow it down. we'll, yeah, you'll, we'll, we'll slow down in the in recording. <laughs> Hi, my name is Michael. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that would be weird. Um, but I'm, once again, I'm glad you guys are here. I only get to preach once in a while. Uh, this today's sermon is about your verse. As Steve, as Steve talked about you know, reading the scriptures, finding out what the scriptures has to say, reading the love letter that God has sent us. Today, I want to encourage you. Uh, throughout this sermon, we're going to talk, really deal with Hebrews, and the very end, I want you to think about an applicable verse that have, that really relates your life. Uh, this year, Lori and I and our kids, we got together and we we picked out a verse that's a representation of our life during this year, and we wanted to focus on it, and we wanted to meditate on it, and we wanted to improve our life to measure up to that verse. And this is the verse that I picked out the very beginning of this year that I, I, I memorize it, and I also, I it on daily, this is what it is, from Philippians, not that I speak from one, from I've learned to be content whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to get along with humble means, and also know how to live in prosperity, and in any ever circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me." So that is my life verse at this very moment. I think as you know and I know, our lives have different seasons of life. We go through different t- times of our lives, whether they are be successful times or on top of the mountain, or sometimes they are in the valley, and we're going through the struggles and we're wondering, Lord, why are we in this valley for so long? Why are we suffering? Why are we having all these issues and the struggles that we go through? But That scripture there has reminded me to be content in all things, whether I have a job or whether I don't have a job, whether I have money in my bank or whether I don't have money in my bank, whether I am physically well or I'm, 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 I'm having... Th- physical elements, whether my wife and I are getting along or we are not getting along. The Lord has taught me throughout the last five, I guess we're actually August, last eight months, I'm three months behind, um, to be content in all things. And so as we look at the scriptures today, we're going to really focus on Hebrews chapter 4, and one thing that's Hebrews chapter 4 verse 4, or I'm sorry verse 12, one thing that many of us do when we first wake up in the morning, a lot of us, we automatically, we don't turn to our scriptures, we automatically, the first thing we do, a lot of us do We go to Facebook. We go to Instagram, we go to emails, we go to the last, last text message. We look at what people are saying to us rather than what the Word of God has to say to our lives. I want to make a challenge you'd hear today. I love challenges. When you put a challenge in my life, that makes me want to do it. Because I'm going to try to prove, you, prove that I can do it and prove that I, I will continue to do it on a regular basis. I, I want to challenge you this week that to, instead of opening your phone for the very first thing of looking at Facebook or Instagram, and seeing how many likes you have or whatever, but look into the Word of God and see what God has to say and pouring into your life. I believe when we do this, when we are focused on the Word of God rather than other people's thoughts, I think our lives are going to become better because we believe the Word of God when we read the Word of God. I will tell you, my friends, once again, Michael and I, Steve, all the leaders of the church, we are technically not your, your teachers of the Word. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the Word of God. We can guide you, we can help you, but essentially the Holy Spirit is the one who directs you and teaches you the Word of God. One of Satan's greatest lies that he has today is that you as a person cannot understand the Word of God. And that is the biggest lie, one of the biggest lies in our church, in, in, in in our world today that you can understand the Word of God. Don't get me wrong. There are some things that are still complicated. There's things that there's still the theologians argue who are much smarter than I, and I will never get into those arguments. But I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need for your daily application of your life. Here's my, here's my prayer for the church. I've been praying this for, for several, several years now, and this is a very big stretch for Michael Longfellow. I want you to understand that when I, grew, when I went to church, we didn't clap. When we went to ch- when I went to church, we didn't raise our hands. When we went to church, we didn't say hallelujah. When we went to ch- when I went to church, I was it was a very um, it was a very boring time. I <laughs> hope my mom and dad don't listen to this sermon. Um, if not, I'll get some text messages later. Um, but I, but I remember you know sometimes having excitement for God and excitement for what God is doing in our lives and feeling like I can't respond to that excitement. And so this phrase, this scripture that I'm reading today is a very big point of my spiritual growth where I've been and where I'm going with God. In the last days, Acts chapter 2, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above the earth and signs of it below, blood and fires and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. All, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is my prayer for our congregation, it is a prayer for our, our church, as, as, as throughout the United States and throughout the world, that the pouring of God's Spirit would be upon His people. Amen that our sons and daughters will prophesy, that they will dream dreams, that we will have an encounter with God like never before, that we will have an awakening that we've never seen even through the great revivals of our great country. That is my prayer. And I will tell you, my friends, that is a stretch for me to pray that because I will tell you one thing is I like to be in control as you like to be in control. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, sometimes he doesn't always give us control because he takes control. And that's something I look forward to. Interesting scripture Psalm chapter 119 verse 11 as I said we will get to Philippi, or Hebrews chapter 4 okay just be patient all right, your word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. What have we done with the word of God? Have we really read the word that's in our hearts? Have we really truly searched out the scriptures to see what God has to say to us, or do we just come on a regular basis on Sundays and we listen to great sermons? We listen to we worship great music and then we go home. Well, I want to ask you. Really, I ask a lot of questions nowadays in my and with people I talk to. Where are you with reading this word of God? Where are you with the intimacy that? you have with our heavenly father or is it one that we just continually go to our father and we ask for things and we ask for things but we never really stop and we look to see what god is speaking to us uh Lori and i went this week we went to see a lawyer um everything is good okay? everything is good probably should have preface that a little better our relationship is great uh no issues at all uh, well we do have issues but nothing for a lawyer and uh it's still i really feel bad we're good. We really are good. Um, I am leaving town though after church. Um, I have to go to a class in Milwaukee. So we go to this lawyer and he is talking and he's talking and he talks like three times faster than me. Yeah, it was, it was a very, very irritating, uh, <laughs> meeting. It really was. Let me admit, now I know how other people feel. Uh, bless your hearts. Um, but he was talking. He was trying to give us advice, and I kind of I piped in a couple of times because I've I've done Wikipedia before, and uh, you know I, I knew I'm a great lawyer, and so we're sharing information back and forth. And the thing is, it's interesting. A lot of times during our story, we were sharing things, and he really, in my opinion, he was, wasn't really listening to us. He just wanted to give us his advice and get his money and charge us a retainer and blah, blah, blah. And um, it just didn't really go over well with, with me and Lori. But I thought to myself, it's so many times when we, we are with God, there are so many times that we know the Word of God, but we don't search out the Word of God. That we search out all these other things in our lives rather than focus on God. Focusing on what God is speaking to our hearts. Because we are the ones who are continually talking to God on a regular basis. But we, ra- rather, we rarely listen to what the Word of God has to say to our lives. Here's an illustration I read about this. It's a pretty cool story. The man who smoked the Word. Okay, once again, I preface this. I don't agree with smoking the Word of God. Uh, the preacher stood on the street corner preaching the Word of God to anyone who would listen. A man approached him who looked like he had lived on the streets forever. The pastor asked, can I help you? And he says, I think you can, he said the bomb. The bum said, what would you like me to tell you about Jesus? You want me to tell you about the word? No, no. Do you want me to pray for you? No. He says, I want your Bible. He says, why do you want my Bible if you don't want me to tell you about the word, if you don't want me to preach the word or if you don't want me to pray about the word? He says, I, don't, I want your Bible because it's very thin, so I can use the pages to wrap my cigarettes in. This is a true story. Wisdom suddenly came to the preacher who said, I will give you the Bible if you agree to reach each page before you smoke the Bible. Several months passed, and after the preacher was standing on the corner, once again a man came up to him dressed in a three-piece suit. You don't know me, do you, he said. "So said, no, I've never seen you before in my life. You have. I am the man who took your Bible from you. The preacher couldn't believe his eyes, what happened. Tell me what happened. He said, well, I smoked Matthew then I smoked Mark, then I smoked Luke, and John smoked me. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I love that story. You know, I've been a pastor for a long time, never heard that story before. There are certain ones you just put in your your pocket and you keep. But, you know, it's interesting as Lori and I, we love to go to Vegas once in a while. And uh, once again, we have a great marriage, uh, just to make sure everyone knows that. I'm kind of still stuck back in in my my words. But we love to go to Vegas because, one, I love to watch the people. I love to see the the weirdness in our society today. (laughs) And also, there are almost always preachers on the street preaching the Word of God. And there was one time, Lord, I stood there for 15, 20 minutes just listening to this preacher preach the Word of God as these guys were coming down the escalator. People were making fun of him. People were not nice to him. And at the very end, I just went up, I shook his hand, and said, hey, I appreciate what you do. That would take a lot of courage to preach the Word of God in Las Vegas. But it's amazing. Just planting the seed of the Word does amazing things. And sometimes we have to give give things away that we hold dear to our hearts. So why should we trust the Word? Why should we have any faith in the Bible? So let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I know we say that all the time, but Hebrews is truly one of those scriptures I absolutely love. This is what the scripture says from the New King James. And if you don't have it, uh, you can look them on the the slides. But remember, you should be verifying what I say in every sermon we preach today. There's a lot of slick pastors out there. Let me me rephrase that. There's a lot of slick pastors communicators out there. (laughs) All right, you take that for what you want. So the scripture says, "Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same examples of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than two ed- two-edged double sword." I'm sorry, I'm tra- I'm I'm sorry. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit, joined to marrow, piercing even to um, uh, marrow, as the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, and there is no creation hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I messed up that translation because I memorized it from a different translation. When we read the scriptures, not only brings to light the promises of salvation, but it also brings warnings of judgment. In context, our passage today comes to the discussion of how the children of Israel and Moses led them out of Egypt during the Exodus. How God did not allow them, including Moses, to enter the promised land. The promise of rest of denied. Why? For disobedience. Moses and the crew were not able to go into the promised land because of the disobedience against God. The children of Israel willfully disobeyed the word of God and what God had to say to each one of them. I will tell you, my friends, I have a very, I think I've said this before, I have a very major concern for people's spiritual life. The reason being, and don't get me wrong, We have so many great programs, we have so many great ministries, that we have a lot of people that accept Christ at an early age, that they dedicate their lives to God, they said a prayer, and now that they are saved and sanctified for the rest of their lives. I think we have this this ability to have a false security of salvation. And I think it's a very fine line that we walk on knowing that we are saved, or thinking that we are saved, or absolutely knowing for sure that we are saved. I, I tell you, my friends, I have seen so many people who've said that prayer. And let you know, there's no, um, never mind, we'll just go on. Um, we'll just go on from there. Um, they, they say a prayer, and their lives have no change. There's no dedication to God. There's no obedience to God. There's no coming forth to God and humbly being changed by the Spirit of God. They live the same like they have always lived before. And my friends, that is not conversion. That is not conversion according to the New Testament. According to the New Testament, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're willing to pick up your cross. You're willing to die for your faith. But today in America, we have this idea, I can pick up, I can say this prayer, and I can go on, and I can live the life I want to live and have no bearing whatsoever and still think I'm saved. My friends, I think that's a very, very dangerous path to go go down. Because my friends, I will tell you, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with Him, then you are not saved. It's like me and Lori. If we are not talking, if we are having issues, if we don't speak to each other for every every six months, do we have a good relationship? Absolutely not. A good relationship is something that we talk to every day. We pray together. I love her. We show our love together. That's a relationship. The same thing with our Father. How many of us are there, though, that we count on it? We said a prayer so many, so many years ago, and we think that's what saul, we think that's what sealed us. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want, yeah, I do want to scare you. I do. I do. Because maybe sometimes we need to be scared. Sometimes we need to be woken up of where we are with our faith with our Heavenly Father. Because if we are more, if we are focused more upon what the world thinks of us than what God thinks of us, then we have already lost our soul. Can we preach that in today's churches? Absolutely. Absolutely. And praise God we have a church where we can do that. But I will tell you, my friends, it, it just, my heart breaks. My heart breaks knowing that there are people who are towing that line that want to be part of the world and part of the kingdom of God, but they can't make a decision. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, therefore, let's be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same examples of disobedience. Warning, do not be like the children of Israel who died in the desert. Be diligent and enter the rest. (coughs) being in the will of God. Be a true follower. Matthew chapter 11, 29 through 30 says this, Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right now, my friends, I tell you, there are many of you who are going through struggles, many of you who are going through trials, many of you are facing situations you have no idea how to get out. And maybe this is your verse. Maybe looking at the scriptures, maybe this is the verse of taking the yoke of Jesus upon you and entering the the rest that only God can give you. Because if we do that, my friends, then things in our lives will change. If we focus upon the rest in Jesus, and how many of you like to rest? Amen. Oh, amen. It's, it's, a, it's a biblical thing. It truly is to rest in God, but also rest in, just in, in, in the presence of God Almighty. But how many of us are so active that we never take time to rest in God? How many times do we never stop and listen to what the voice of God has to say to us because we are so busy moving and I'm one of those guilty people? Being in Jesus, following his life may not be easy at times, but we are to live in his power, his grace, and not our own and not our soul. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As I look at this scripture, that you have been justified because of what Jesus did upon the cross for you and for each, thing, each person in our world today. And the beautiful thing is that we struggle with people knowing that God has forgiven us. Let me me just ask you a simple question. Do you really think that God has forgiven you of all your sins? Amen. Amen. My friends, I will tell you, Michael believes that. (laughs) I, I truly do. But I want to know how many people that don't believe that. There are so many people in the world today, probably even our church, that believe that God has forgiven Michael of his sins, Steve, of his sins, and a lot of other people, but God hasn't forgiven me in my sins because I'm not good enough, because I'm not loved enough. Whatever lies the evil one tells you, those are the things that we believe. That's why we don't believe that God so God so loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. My friends, I want to tell you specifically that you are justified By the faith through Jesus Christ, your life is free and cleansed of the sins that you have committed because your faith in Jesus Christ, you are good enough because you've accepted the gift. You've accepted that salvation. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, this is where I want to also a little focus. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he sows to his flesh, will reap his flesh, I'm sorry, reap corruption, But he who sows to the Spirit will also see also the Spirit reap everlasting life. I want to tell you, my friends, that if you're going to see seeds of destruction, you are going to get issues. If you go out and you are a violent person, you're going to have violence in your life. If you go out and you sow seeds of pornography and seeds of lust and whatever thing else is going on in your life, those are the things that you are going to harvest. But if you sow seeds of righteousness, seeds of patience, seeds of goodness, those are the things that are going to prosper in your life. Those are the things that are coming to come into your life and make your life very much better. So let me tell you, the Word of God is clear to the warning, do not be disobedient against the Word of God. Let me just say that one more time. Do not be disobedient against the word of God. If you do, there are consequences. Because God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Do you understand? I said yes. All right, very good. I'm just joking. Just joking. All right, so the exciting part. So for the word of God, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any double edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow, and it's dis- discerning the thoughts and the tents of the heart and the intention of the heart. There's so much to unpack here. The Greek word for the word is Logos. John 1 1. In the be- in, we, when we read, let me read that so I don't get messed up. John 1 1, um, in the beginning, the word was God, and the word was with God. And the word was God. I just completely slaughtered that. Crap. Oh, my gosh. Remember to memorize the word of God. All right. So remember that when we talk about the word, it is God. It is Jesus who is the word. The writer of Hebrews. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to change my page. The word of God is living and powerful. The Greek word is emphasized here. Living or Zion. The first word is translated literally the verse Read, living is the Word of God and powerful. The Word of God is quite alive. It's not outdated, nor it's old-fashioned, and it doesn't change with our society. It doesn't change with, with, uh, with um, the, the, the things that are going on. Throughout Scripture, the Word of God is referred as living. So the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Word of God doesn't change like society. Right. Don't you love how society changes? Yeah. I don't all right i don't like how society changes i like this. i like being like it was in the old days <laughs> you know i do yeah whatever those old days are acts chapter 7 verse 38 this is he who was in the congregation of the wilderness with the angels who spoke to him on mount sinai with our fathers the one who received the living oracles to us not only is the word of god as alive but it's also powerful other translations, also effective or active. The Greek word is energy, where we have our word energy comes from. God's word does what he sends it out to do. There's a, there's, a famous, there's a famous, many, many famous scriptures I would love to quote, but I don't have time. And one of the scriptures are, To teach your ways in the way of the Lord, and that it will not depart from them. As a parent, it's very, very difficult sometimes when you see your children not make wise decisions. When you see them make decisions that are very destructive and very harmful to them and to other people. One of my scriptures I've also been focused on as well is the, the, uh, the, the, the prodigal son. The prodigal son, when, they're, when they're, his kid goes out, he lives a lifestyle he wants to live, and eventually, finally, he comes back. My prayer for the last several months has been, Lord, please me, let, let me be like the prodigal father's son who when they see the child off in a distance, will, will leave everything behind and run to his child. There is no judgment. There is no, I wonder if they're going to do it again. There is no so this application. Well, what, what does he want? What do they want? But there's, there's a pure heart emotion in the father to run to his child and to cling to him for coming back home, coming back to the father. There are so many times in our lives, as parents, as, as teachers, as students, we don't always understand the circumstances we go through. But we look and we see there are so many examples in the Scriptures that we can cling to, that we have hope for, of people returning to God. So it makes you look at your own life. When people come to Christ, when people come, your children come back from, from a sabbatical from the Lord or a complete rebelliousness, how do you handle that? You handle it as a father would open arms, open hands, running to them. It's amazing to me, the scripture talks about when someone comes to Christ, there's a great rejoicing in heaven. There's a party in heaven because someone comes to Christ. Sometimes I think we downplay that. I think we downplay when someone gives their life over to Christ. We get excited, but sometimes we don't really get excited. As you know, I'm not a sports fan. I care less about sports. Care less about fishing. Let's go hunting. Let's do that. Okay. Sorry, Mac. You know, there are things I don't I don't get excited about a lot of other people. You know? But the thing is, do we get excited about people coming to the Christ to Christ? Do we get excited about people turning their lives over to, to Jesus? I think that's more exciting than anything else when someone comes back to God or when they give their life over to Christ. I think that's very, very exciting. So God's Word is very much alive and relevant today, and it's powerful. We don't understand the potential of the word that we hold in our hands. Sharper than two double-edged sword. The word here is not a big sword. It's used in battle to chop off one's head. The word indicates a small sword, even a dagger with a sharp edge on both sides. And the word is sharper than the sharpest of swords. It uses to cut and to expose inside, slicing through and dividing the closest fitting objects, piercing and slicing through the division of soul and spirit. There are many times when we read the word of God, that word will automatically pierce your heart, It will pierce who you are as a person. You are cut to the heart. I don't know about you, but I've been times in my prayer life where I've read the word of God, and with reading the scripture, I'm convicted by the spirit, and I just break down in tears, knowing That I have sinned against God, knowing that I have not done what God has wanted me to do. God's word reveals wickedness inside of us, but also the beautiful things inside of us as well. That you are a chosen person of God. That you are a place of mighty esteem with God Almighty. I hope you catch what's being said here. We do not judge the word, but the word judges us. I will tell you, my friends, in today's society, most people judge the word. Oh, I, I don't like that part. That's out. I don't, like that. I don't like that. So on and so forth. And we judge the word. My friends, if you truly want to be accurate, you really want to be a strong believing Christian, that you let the word of God judge you. And I want to tell you, my friends, that you'll be in tears a lot of times. You, just to let you know also, there are times that before you preach, you wonder how you can preach the word of God knowing you're such a sinner but you are only saved by grace, only been changed by God's word. James chapter 1, 23 and 24, for as anyone is hear of the words and not doers, he like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what he's like. So there are so many times we read the scriptures and we don't remember what the word of God has to say. We have a checklist. How many of you guys do the Bible plan for the year? Choo, 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 choo. I, I used to. But it was for me. It was a race. For me, it was a challenge. Hey, let's read the Word of God so I can say I read the Bible. You know, that's how I used to be. And now I, t- I take a scripture, I study the scripture, and I learn that scripture, and then I move on from that scripture. Hebrews chapter four: There is no hidden creation. Or no hidden, hidden, no creation hidden from His sight. But all things lay naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Do you understand? This is kind of no, just don't be don't be sensitive, okay? There's a lot of sensitive people in the world today, so this is not a place to be sensitive. All right, I'm going to bust your bubble, all right? So, can you imagine standing before God naked? It's ugly. It's absolutely ugly. If you think it's pretty, it's not, all right? It's, it's ugly. Here's what I mean. Do you guys remember the, your very first night with your wife or your husband? You know, I mean, I remember it was. I was a nervous wreck. I was scared. Um, Lori and I was. We had. We were in Oklahoma. And we just got done with the wedding, and here we are on our honeymoon night. And I was. I was nervous. I mean, I'm not going to details. I don't even get worried. <laughs> don't even worry. Not going to details. I know my boundaries. I'm not going to bust your bubble that much. You know. But I remember um, there was a lady from my church. She gave me a tanning package. She said, Micah, you're kind of white. <laughs> and I, I guess I was really white. And uh, she said, I want to give you 15 sessions of this tanning package. I said, okay, whatever. So I had no, I mean, I'm Kansas. We didn't do much tanning back then. So I go in and uh, I say, hey, what, what do we do? I just leave my clothes on. No, so you just go butt naked, lay on the bed, lock the door, put the thing on. I said, okay. I said, well, she said, how long do you want? well, she said six minutes, I said, no, let's do ten, so we do ten minutes, ten minutes, so if someone, the average person can do six, I can do ten, so that's how Longfellow thinks, and uh, so I come out, and uh, already I am blistering, I am like a rot lobster, I'm no longer white, I am a red, red guy, and so this is two days before our honeymoon, uh, stupid idea, we don't cover that in premarital counseling, but we sure should. Um, so here I am. It's honeymoon night. You know, Lori, we're all doing the thing, and the lights are off, and I'm thinking, crud, Lord. This is not a good situation. So let's get, off, let's get off my subject for a second, but let's stand before God. I always think standing before the Lord. That's what it looks like to me. Here, Michael Longfellow is just red. And um, thank you. So you will re- Now, hopefully, during sermons, you remember the scriptures, not all the illustrations. All right? My pastor said, no. Anyway, remember scriptures. So otherwise, I'm going to get fired. All right. So, uh, so here we are standing before God Almighty, standing before him, and everything we have is laid bare. There is no hidden part in your life that you think is hidden. That's truly, we are. there is no hidden part. Everything that we have done, everything we will do is laid bare before the eyes of God. And he knows the inner soul. He knows the inner spirit of who you are as a person. He knows your thoughts. He knows your doubts. He knows the complications you are going through. And he loves you standing in front of him. And here's the most beautiful part, that when we who are Christians stand before God, Jesus is clothing us. We are naked before God Almighty, but Jesus has clothed us with his righteousness and with him of who he is. So he does not see all my ugliness that I have committed or I would someday commit because I am made whole before Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And my friends, that is the beautiful thing. And when you get older in marriage and you are now with your wife after 20 some years, it doesn't matter if you're standing there naked, does it? here I am, honey. This is me. That's how it is, isn't it? I've talked to older people. If you don't believe me, it's true. Dating is so fake. Dating is so fake. All right. All right, so we have a few moments left, so I'm going to skip a couple of things. So what's your verse? What, what is truly your verse? I, I, I picked out a couple of scriptures. And I, what I probably should have did earlier was just printed these things out. but doing that, I wanted to make you get into the Word of God and to pick a verse out for yourself. I would encourage you to start with John, start with one of the Gospels, or start with one of the Pauline letters, um, um, Hebrews or, or James, or first, second, third John. You know, there's a lot of different scriptures where you go, but just listen to this one. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because the Lord knows your labor in the Lord, and it's not in vain. I want to encourage you guys who are faithful, really working for God. Your labor is not in vain. We think about the, I think about the worship team. They put a lot of time and a lot of effort into worship Sunday after Sunday. And sometimes I wonder, do they ever get discouraged? Do they ever think, what we're doing really doesn't matter? And I want to say, what you do truly matters. When we do things unto the Lord, those things will be done for eternity. Here's another scripture. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. Be strong, my friends, in the faith. Stand guard. Men, protect your wife. Men, protect your family. Men, protect the children. Even when you want to be friends with them and know you can't until a certain point, be there with them. Be strong and courageous for them. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to those who are humble. I'm only telling you, my friends, you who are young, and whatever you consider young to be, almost everyone is young nowadays to, to, to us. Um, but seriously, we, you look at people, and there are young people in our lives around us. Don't let, don't let people look down on you because you are young, be strong in the faith. Be a leader. It doesn't matter where you are age-wise. Be a leader for Jesus Christ. Grow and ask people accountable questions. Grow and make sure people are reading their scriptures. Grow and go pray with people as well. doesn't matter where you are. Let me tell you this also. It doesn't matter where you are young-wise, how young you are. You can do those things. Older people, anyone who's over 45, you're older, okay? Because I'm 44, yeah. <laughs> or 43, whatever I am. So you're, you're older. So here's the thing. Do you understand what the scripture says? The older people teaches the younger people. They pour their lives into them. They pour their soul, their biblical knowledge into their daily path. Do you know what I love about hanging out in church on Sunday mornings, doing all the work, uh, the the setup? I love hanging out with Hank and Dan, and uh, where's Ed? He's still awake. And I love hanging out with those people and whoever I miss on our, our setup crew because we are able to joke around, but also they give wisdom to my life. I love hanging out with people who have experienced life, who are godly people because they know what life is about. And they know what is important. Let me give you a few more scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. My friends, maybe you're going through a sickness right now, maybe you're going through uh, some elements and it's not going well. Outwardly we are wasting away. But by the power of the renewing of the Holy Spirit, we are being renewed each and every day. Our spirits can be increased every day. So I want you to do, what I want you to do is focus on a verse this week and hang on to that verse for the rest of the year. And then in the beginning of the new year, focus on another verse and implement that into your life. And be able to live what the Scriptures have to say to us. Here's one more and then we'll still so um, Okay. Okay. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human, human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let me just ask you a simple question. How many of us are truly trying to please people in this world today? I think at some point at some time, we're all trying to please someone and get the approval of man and not the approval of God. If we truly want the approval of God, my friends, we're going to have to go against what man says today in every aspect of our lives. My friends, I'm going to conclude with this. That I challenge you to study the Word of God. Maybe you don't know how. The evil one's saying you don't know how. I will tell you, you can see me, Pastor Michael, Steve, whoever in our church, and we will study the Word of God with you. We will hook you up. We will set you up with people that want to study the Word of God and be changed people for the kingdom of God. My friends, it's very simplistic of reading the letters of God, of seeing how God can transform your lives by a verse or two verses a day. I'll tell you, my friend, you will get further in life with the Word of God than with any other thing that the world has to offer. And I pray that you commit your life to Him. Maybe you've never given your life over to Christ. Maybe you don't even know what that means. We are here to talk to you about giving your life over to Christ, having Him forgive you of your sins, and you being a new person, a new creation in God. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, so much for who you are. Lord, I thank you for the time and the opportunity to speak to this church. And Lord, I'm so very thankful that there are so many people who take the Word of God as a as an important piece of words from you. Lord, it it means nothing compared to the rest of the world. It means nothing to the advice of what people can give us. But only your word can transform our lives. And Lord, I know that there are scriptures that each person needs today. People who are hurting, people who are in pain, people who are suffering. Lord, give them that verse. Let them know who you are through that scripture. And Lord, I pray for people that cling on to the word. Lord, I pray, my Father, you will just change us. As we lay bare before you, God, you will move us like never before. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.